I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. I was with a mother yesterday at the medical center. She had lost her 11-year-old son to suicide. The nurse had told me that the mom had just consented to donating her son's organs, but was not willing to go home and needed to talk to someone. When I went to see her, she wanted to speak privately, and we did. I listened to her grieve and talk about her despair, and she mentioned how unfair life is. As I sat there, she said, she's a good person. Her son is a good person. They care about people. There are so many evil people in the world. Why my son? Life is not fair. It's not fair to me. I don't deserve this. She shared that she was not religious, but she was looking for a sign from God that her son was safe, secure, happy, warm, comfortable, and not alone. She needed a sign. She told me her son wanted to be an actor, and he loved Broadway shows and music and songs. She even told me that when her father passed away and it was hard for her, she looked for a sign and that same week, three times she heard on the radio her father's favorite song. And she received that as unusual, but as a sign. Now with the death of her 11-year-old son, she was yet again looking for another sign. Perhaps she needed to hear her son's favorite songs three times. I shared this story, and I'm thinking about it in the context of all that has happened here and where some of you may be in your lives. But if we're really honest, we have lost our songs, many of us. And we're looking for signs or something that would give us some sense that God is still with us and that he's not left us and that he's not forsaken us. We may not always say it, but the truth of the matter is sometimes we feel incredibly alone and we want to feel secure. We want to feel comfortable. We want to feel safe. Now, while that mother has been dealing with a real hard tragedy and your tragedy may not be as intense as hers, the feelings are still the same. The feelings are real. Sometimes you want to feel safe. Sometimes you want to feel secure. Sometimes you want to feel comfortable. Sometimes you are tired, sick and tired of feeling alone. It is with this kind of thinking in mind about a song in my heart, a song that I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what does it mean that we have a song? And so I've titled this sermon, really, that's going to be a short sermon, nothing more than a new song, a new song. We, we learn a lot of our theology, many of us, from songs. You may not all agree, but if I were to ask you all here today, do you believe Jesus loves you? You would say yes. You really believe that Jesus loves you. And if I were to say, when did you believe that Jesus loved you? You probably don't know or can pinpoint when you got that revelation of this most foundational element of our faith. You cannot probably remember when you knew that Jesus loved you for sure. But I can guess. I can take a guess that I knew when you knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus loves you. I wasn't there when you were born. I wasn't there growing up. But I can promise you that I probably know when you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus loved you. Whether you accepted it or not, you believed it. And I can prove it. 
Jesus loves me. Now, I know you were a little shy and you sang it, but you knew the song, for the song was in your heart. And growing up as a little child, probably that song you sang all times in Sunday school, but that song has somehow convinced you that Jesus loves you. And that's what I'm talking about. Songs have a way of finding that place in you where it connects your spirit to God's. Nowhere do we see this more clearly than in some of the hymns. It is well with my blessed assurance Jesus is we understand these songs because they tap into that part of us that allows us to connect to God. In the 137th Psalm, it's one of those Psalms where we see this really, really at work. It's actually one of the toughest passages in Scripture because when Israel was under Babylonian captivity and domination, the tormentors wanted them to sing those songs of Zion. And they brought them down and they said, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. When the wicked, Boniem made this popular, when the wicked carried us away in captivity, required from us a song, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The answer is we can't. We can't sing the Lord's song when we feel like crying. When a loved one dies or you can't seem to make ends meet or the bottom has fallen out of your bucket or you're feeling nothing but despair that things in your life will probably never get better. You or a loved one may never recover from your illness. If you do sing, you end up singing a totally different song. And for many of us, we've been singing some really some songs of despair for a very long time. It is here that we find ourselves in this 40th Psalm, and I'll hurry along. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a what? A new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. This is such an important psalm. But the first verse I want you to look at very carefully. It says, I waited, what? Patiently for the Lord. Now, do not be misled into thinking for a moment that this is some kind of patient endurance. The sense and the mood of the psalm is that you're not here quietly just waiting for some kind of deliverance. It's not like you're waiting in line when someone's at the ATM and they're taking a little too long. You're patiently waiting for them to hurry so you can get to your 
machine, but it's not that kind of patience. It's not the kind of patience where you're waiting in line at Chipotle because you want to get your favorite meal, but someone is just taking a little too long at the register. It's not that kind of patiently waiting. It's not that. It's quite the opposite. As a matter of fact, the waiting that the psalmist is talking about here is a desperation. It is anything but patient. It is a yearning, a desire to be freed from an intolerable situation. It was desperation that would lead somehow to exasperation and draw you even closer to depression. The place where you feel like you can't go on. It was an expectant longing for God. Have you ever been there? The place where you're waiting for God and you're almost begging him yes. to show up. Yes. That's the pit. Yes. That's the pit I'm talking about. And, and, and the pit of destruction and the miry clay that the psalmist is talking about is actually a metaphor for almost like a person being buried yet still alive. Yes. It's a place of such separation from God that you're so close to being buried that you might as well be dead but not quite yet. You're holding on to a little bit of hope anywhere you can find it. It's the mother that I just spoke of that lost her son to suicide and don't know how she will go on. She's stuck in the pit and in the miry clay. It, it's having a terminal diagnosis and you're really not sure how much time you have to go, but there are still so many things that you want to do, that you want to get done, and you're trying to figure out how to move forward. You're stuck in the pit, in the miry clay. It's trying to get free of an addiction, whatever that addiction might be. You've done everything you know how to, how to stop, but somehow you keep getting pulled back in the same self-destructing habit. You're stuck in the pit, in the miry clay. It's owing so much money and being in such huge debt that even if you stop eating, you can't pay it off fast enough. Between the credit cards and the mortgage and the school loans, the rent, the alimony payments, or the lack of alimony payments, the back taxes owed, the broken boiler, you name it, you seem to be stuck in the pit, in the miry clay. Whatever your pit of destruction may be, whatever your miry clay may be, the psalmist tells us that the Lord, he inclined his ear to me and he heard my cry. That is, see, when you're stuck in the midst of your suffering, in your miry clay, in your pit of destruction, when you're on your last nickel and all the bills are due and you can't even rob Peter anymore to pay Paul, when you're suffering with all kinds of strange aches and pain in your body that you've never felt before, I am telling you, then the cry that God is listening for is simply Ouch is the cry you make when you've been afflicted with pain that is too deep for words. Ouch is the cry of someone that has no other alternative but to let go, to let that sound out which connects to your suffering. Ouch is the cry you make because silence is not an option. Ouch is the song you sing when you are done and you can't go on anymore. But it is right there, in the midst of your ouch, in the pit of destruction, in the miry clay, that the Bible tells us that God inclines his ear to you 
and he hears your cry. God is aware of every tear you've cried. God is aware of every despair. God is aware of every hopelessness. God is aware of every suffering, no matter what they may be. And he always has a way of escape for those who will yet call on his name. The psalmist further tells us, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He, he, he said, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. You see, the rock is a metaphor for stability. Being set upon a rock or a firm foundation is a classic image for security, deliverance, and safety, the very things the mother wants for her son. So what I'm saying to you is that this metaphor of the rock, it communicates the experience of delivery from a near-death experience while also offering compelling and thankful testimony to the rescue that comes from God. You see, it is God and God alone that can bring you up out of the pit. It is God and God alone that can pull you out of the miry clay. It is God and God alone that can get you out of severe debt. It is God and God alone that can bring healing to your body. It is God and God alone that can bring healing to your soul. It is God and God alone that can set your feet on the rock. It is God and God alone that can make your footsteps Firm. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. And he alone is the alpha and the omega. He and he alone is the beginning and the end. He is the firstborn of all creation. He's the healer. He's the comforter. He is the provider. And best of all, he's the deliverer out of your pit and your miry clay. That is who he is. And today, he's turning lives around, healing every heart and wiping away all tears. That is who he is. And if you're looking for anything or anyone else, to get you out of your pit of destruction, out of your miry clay. You are playing a fool's game, for it is God and God alone that can bring the deliverance that you need in your life. But God doesn't just stop there. If he stopped there to get you out of the pit, that would have been enough. If he put your feet on solid ground and order your footsteps and give you a firm footing, that would be enough, but he didn't stop there. Because God will take you exceedingly, abundantly, above anything your mind can comprehend. So yes, I want to come out of the pit. Yes, I want to come out of the miry clay. Yes, I need deliverance. But if that were not enough, God says in the third verse, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. To our God, many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. You see, he put a new song. And this is what a personal relationship with God does. It changes your song of ouch to a song of praise. A new song. Salvation is from the Lord. The, 30, the, the 33rd Psalm and the third verse says this. Sing unto him a new song. 
Play skillfully with a loud noise. The, the 96th Psalm says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. The 98th Psalm says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The 144th Psalm says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise is in the congregation of the saints. And finally, Isaiah 42 and verse 10 says, Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea and all that is in heaven, the isle and the inhabitants thereof. So brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you, it's good to get out of the pit. It's good to get out of the miry clay. It's good to be set on the rock, but it's even better to sing a new song. And the truth of the matter is, when you sing a new song of praise to God, what you are really doing is you are extolling the holiness and the glory of God. You are saying, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of all my afflictions, in the midst of all my maladies, I know who my God is. And at the right time, at the perceived time, at the appointed time, he will set me in the place of his own security and deliverance. That's what I want from my God. So when I say to you, I waited patiently for the Lord. It's, a, it's an expectant Wait, knowing that he who has begun a good work is faithful to perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. When you can sing in the midst of pain, when you can sing in the midst of struggle, when you can sing with all hell breaking loose around you, then, then you know you really have overcome because when you can articulate your values, when you can articulate your experience, and when you can articulate where you're going, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that you transcend your problem. And when you transcend it, you can mean it when you say, it is well with my soul. You can sing it and you can mean it. You can sing it knowing that blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, filled with his love. When you can sing those songs in the midst of your trials and your tribulation, brothers and sisters, be very clear. You have a new song that comes from having your feet planted on the rock. So, so, maybe some of you have forgotten your song. Maybe the problems and the vicissitudes of life have worn you down to the place where you have forgotten how to sing. Maybe you've gotten to that place where you are so stuck in the mud, so stuck in the clay, so stuck in the pit of destruction, that you wonder if God has forgotten you. Well, I came to tell you today. Plant the 40th Psalm in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Plant this word so deep in your heart that whenever you feel like you have no hope, whenever you feel like you have nothing left, whenever you feel like giving up, whenever you feel like you're in despair, whenever you feel like this is all that's going to be and I have no hope, remember that as you wait patiently for the Lord, he inclines his ear to you and he hears your cry. Sometimes the best prayer is the cry of his people.
So I would say to the saints, cry, cry, cry. Don't worry about it because the tears that you cry brings you closer to the heart of your God. And who wants to be far away from the heart of God? So sing a new song. Sing of his glorious majesty. Sing of the wonder of your king. Sing in the face of your enemies. Sing in the face of all those who will seek to do you harm. And you confuse them. Because what they don't know is that he will have brought you up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he sets your feet upon that rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. And how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Know that your footing is firm. And what more security do you need than that? Amen? Amen?